This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. What is the experience required to be a prescribing psychologist? And what are the politics of entering that field? Claudia Mosier is a prescribing psychologist practicing in both Illinois and Louisiana. We discussed how she helps patients and why state policymakers should expand the ranks of prescribing psychologists. We spoke at the Cato Institute's State Health Policy Summit earlier this month. This is the second of two conversations on the subject. Uh, We are used to having to get a doctor's appointment to receive medication, uh, to uh, have a doctor write a script. That script is then sent to a pharmacy. We go to the pharmacy. We pick it up in some states. Uh, for some medications, you can have a nurse practitioner prescribe uh, certain uh, categories of medications. Uh, but for mental health care, it's psychiatrists and physicians for the most part. Uh, we've faced a pretty substantial mental health crisis uh, that was made worse by a global pandemic where people's access to their own physicians was uh, reduced. What Uh, has been your experience. You are a prescribing psychologist. What has been your experience in attempting to help people secure their own mental health? Well, becoming a prescribing psychologist was a bit of a journey. Uh, But I have to say that I'm so glad that I took the time and put the energy into it to learn how to become a prescribing psychologist because I have a unique way, or not just me, of course, but all of the prescribing psychologists and medical psychologists have a unique way of being able to help people in that I have what I call the luxury of time because I can see patients for If they need 55-minute hours, I can work both at the same time with medication management and with individual psychotherapy. I can see patients weekly if necessary, and most prescribers do not have that luxury. All right. So uh, you are, as you mentioned, we're recording this at the uh, State Health Policy Summit. And as you mentioned uh, in uh, discussion uh, yesterday, you have 11 separate licenses across two states Yes, uh, in order to prescribe uh, medication aimed at helping people secure their own mental health. So what is that? uh, We're recording this, of course, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, The two states that you are able to prescribe in are Illinois and Louisiana. So which state is better and why aren't why don't more states have this? Well, we're working very hard to get more states to be able to have prescriptive authority for psychologists. There's five states, uh, the the armed forces and um, Indian Health Service served lands and Guam all have the ability for to use prescribing psychologists. And we've got several states that are working towards it. But it's a very hard slog because there's a lot of oppositions from psychiatrists and physicians. In my perspective, there's a bit of a turf war going on, which is in many ways so ridiculous because, as you know, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. There's, I like to call it, there's plenty of pie for everybody. Then having prescriptive authority for psychologists is not going to reduce the number of patients available for psychiatrists, for other physicians. You mentioned, I'm so glad to hear that libertarian groups are interested in in deregulating. Um, 11 licenses for me is absurd. I 
They all expire in different time lengths. They all expire at different times of the year. I once made the mistake of allowing one of them to expire, and it put a halt to my ability to serve the patients who were requiring Schedule II meds here in Louisiana. I had to find another doctor, another medical psychologist. That's what they call us in Louisiana, so a host of prescribing psychologists. I had to find another doctor who was willing to take the risk of supervising me in my prescribing until the three weeks were up that it took to get that license reinstated. All right. And uh, in, in terms of just between the two states, Illinois and Louisiana, you live in Illinois? Well, when I started this, I would, was going back and forth pre-COVID. I was spending two weeks in Louisiana, two weeks in Illinois. The reason I started doing that is the requirements to prescribe in Illinois are um, more extensive than the requirements to prescribe in Louisiana. And one of the requirements that I hadn't yet finished was the undergraduate pre-med classes. And I was worried that while I was learning the undergraduate pre-med classes in anatomy, chemistry, physiology, that um, I would forget the nuts and bolts of prescribing, and then I would be finally licensed, and I wouldn't know what to do. So to, to keep that from happening, I came down to Louisiana and got and got licensed in Louisiana and began to and became a part of a practice here in Louisiana. And, well, that was that was a less onerous process, presumably. It's less onerous on the front end, but on the back end now in Louisiana, I'm, I have to get permission from a patient's physician to be able to do my, my my treatment plan. Whereas in Illinois, because I go through everything on the front end, I don't have to do that. I have a collaborating psychiatrist who I present my cases to every month, but that uh, collaborating psychiatrist cannot tell me, no, you can't prescribe. What they could do is say, I'm not going to collaborate with you anymore, but I have the decision-making process on how I work with my patients, and I value the collaboration. We have wonderful com conversations about how to help our patients. All right. So uh, many states don't have this. Right. And for people who are suffering from uh, mental health problems, I spoke with uh, Dr. Beth Romreimer, who, uh, for careful listeners, you will may have heard that podcast, um, about the difference between states that allow this and states that don't in terms of uh, mental health problems and suicide rates, mm -hmm. and the numbers seem very promising for states that have uh, adopted this. Uh, what do you take as the most legitimate concern from uh, the people on the other side of allowing this? What do you, you know, what's their, what's their best uh, claim or concern? All of their arguments have been, been debunked over and over and over again. In fact, there was one legislator when we were fighting for prescriptive authority in another state who said to the, um, I'll just say opposing side, said to them, you've said this over and over again, and there's no data for it. You want to keep the system the same. The system is broken. These people have a way to add into the system to be able to help more people. So, uh, you know, to the extent that you could speak directly to state lawmakers, and I assure you that you are, um, what what do you tell them about the the you know the mental health crisis that we've seen exacerbated over the last uh, three year two years three years now um, about extending this authority to uh, medical psychologists to psychologists that uh, have this expertise. Uh, about ameliorating that crisis? Prescriptive authority for appropriately trained psychologists works. 
I have over 20,000 hours of training. It's the highest amount of training for any pres prescriber who's working with psychotropic medications. My malpractice insurance is lower than any other prescriber's malpractice insurance because of the success we're having about prescribing safely. It's good work. It's effective work. We help people. Instead of having to go see two doctors, having to come see the individual traditional psychologist, and then having to find a psychiatrist and get in with a psychiatrist, it can be done in one session for a patient. And if a person misses their appointment with their psychiatrist, then they may have to wait weeks to be able to get another appointment. And in that amount of time, they may run out of medications, and then their psychiatric symptoms exacerbate, and then they may end up in a psych hospital, whereas it's one-stop shopping if they can come and see us. And I assume the fiscal effects for uh, state budgets yes. might be more than negligible. Yes, definitely. Give me an example of where uh, you think that you've been able to have a unique impact. Well, there's there's one patient who was brought into my office in Louisiana, and uh, he was aggressive, paranoid, combative, and this had happened to him about ten years previously. And they ha the family hadn't sought help, uh, and the the police became involved, and there was problems with that police involvement. This time they they brought him in. Um, Psychologists have an ability to create relationship. Now, this man was difficult to spend time with. He was difficult to create any kind of relationship. But we did enough in the hour that I was with him that he trusted me to try the medication that I gave him. His family had fled from the house, his two young children, his wife. They were having to live in a hotel because of what he was doing. I saw him a week later, and he was better than he had been. And he had no negative no side effects from the medication I prescribed. So I raised the medication just a little bit and did more individual psychotherapy with him. I saw him a while later, and he had his young sons with him. They weren't afraid of him anymore. And I didn't need to change the medicine at all, but I continued with the individual psychotherapy, taking a biopsychosocial approach, helping him understand his feelings, helping him understand to what exacerbates the the thought process that then makes him make decisions that can be very harmful to his family. Claudia Moser is a prescribing psychologist in Illinois and Louisiana. We spoke at the Cato Institute's State Health Policy Summit earlier this month. Please subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 